a fun chat and we, you know, we like to host these artistic conversations and get to know all of you guys um, and just talk about your art and give you a platform to really highlight your work. So thanks to everyone. Um, I don't know if I missed the quick intro, but just if I did, I'm, I'm Kat. I work out of the LA showroom that Snehal was talking about and um, I do the marketing for Zeiss Cinema. So we, we've been doing a lot of these um, live conversations on Zoom in addition to supporting festivals and again, just supporting um, just filmmaking in general and cinematography, the art and craft. So nice to meet you all. Um, Jenna, we were hoping that you can do, once we start recording, just do the quick introduction and just give a, sure. a review of the festival. And then, um, you know, we can just jump right into it with Snehal being the, the main interviewer and Stephen and I just, um, you know, as we think of questions too, we'll, we'll just jump in. Wonderful. Yes. Do you want me to intro now or do you want to? Give us one second, uh, Stephen, uh, if you can come back on, introduce yourself and then um, I'll have him record as well. And Kat, if you can record, Kat, if yeah, you can sure use, thing. maybe you can record speaker view and mm -hmm. uh, I'll record gallery view. Cool. So Jenna, we're gonna give you like a, at least like two recordings so that if you need to edit or something, um, Wonderful. Yeah, we can do something nice. That would be perfect. Thank you yeah. so much. Okay. So, and, um, do the panelists have any questions while we wait for Steven to jump back on? Um, how far into the future are we going to be talking? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, at least 1,000 years. So you better start on technological developments. <laughs> so Steven, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sorry about that. I'm just getting lighting for myself. I feel weird. Hi, Steven. <laughs> um, I'm a director of what or what is it? Uh, cinema technical sales specialist. So I'm helping run the uh, the demo center in LA. Um, if you have anyone who's coming in for a demo, um, needs to look at lenses, we can get them out. We can do a lot of loans. We do training from there. Um, my background is technical support at Red for eight and a half years. So. I'm pretty technically aware of most of the questions you'll have on the camera or the lens side. So I'm a good point of reference if you need any um, general questions answered. And uh, my name is Snehal Patel, for those of you guys who I haven't met. Uh, I think I met, uh, Daniel, we met before, didn't we? Yeah, I, um, maybe, yeah. I feel like we have. <laughs> Vova, I don't think we've met. Dave Miller, I don't think we've met before. Uh, but my, my name is Snehal Patel. I'm the sales director for uh, Zeiss uh, Cinema in the Americas. So our team, you know, with Stephen and Kat, we handle North and South America. So we coordinate, we have a representative in Latin America. We also have a distribution company in Canada, but essentially we oversee how, you know, we do our marketing campaigns, what we sell, what kind of activities we do uh, for the Americas. So we have a lot of responsibility, but as you all know, we've been really virtual and this time has been great for us because we get to know uh, a lot of you and your work. So we had a nice uh, research put together. We, we dove into what you guys do, uh, research your backgrounds a little bit and hopefully have some interesting things to talk about today. But we're gonna surprise you. We're not gonna prep you ahead of time. So you're gonna have to come up with answers. Uh, and then we'll test you at the end. And if you lose, you get ejected out of the festival. And so you're out. <laughs> That's a <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, so uh -oh. just, you know, 
it'll totally be fun. Totally be fun. But uh, Jenna, we're, we're so happy and, and proud to to be a sponsor. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It's it's always wonderful to be able to chat with people. So um, thank yeah. you so much, Nihal, Katya, Stephen, and the whole Zays group. I'm Jenna Suru, the executive director of the Paris International Film Festival, and we are just thrilled to discuss the future of cinematography with such a, an incredible partner who is definitely um, the biggest in camera and lenses, and not only in the film industry, right, Snehal, as we discussed, but also in the medical industry, which is extremely important. And our filmmakers, really, and here we have the cinematographers behind three amazing films in our official selection, um, Anna with Vova, Anna Premedat Khan. We are, I believe, their 350th selection. <laughs> so we're glad we made the cut. It's a brilliant short, very female-led story and a very important message. Daniel is the cinematographer behind Cream. Such an incredible feature. It's so colorful. I just can't wait to hear him talk also about his work on this film. And Dave, who is also the cinematographer behind The Cunning Man. Really impressive short. And thank you so much again, guys, for co-moderating this with us. We are just thrilled to have you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to have this conversation with these wonderful cinematographers. They're all very talented. And as you mentioned, they all have wonderful projects uh, as part of the Paris International Film Festival. So it's gonna be wonderful for those people that can now screen the films and then come here and talk about them. So uh, this is a great platform. Uh, I'm joined here by my colleagues, uh, Katia Del Rosario and Stephen Bosley, and they're from the Zeiss team. And uh, they're gonna jump in as well and maybe have some questions. We're gonna be talking about the future of cinematography. So what is uh, the future of cinematography? What's gonna happen? But let's talk about what we have right now. Let's uh, get a brief on who these uh, gentlemen are and their projects that they have in the film festival. So Daniel, I'd like to start with you first uh, with Cream. Uh, what a cool short film. Uh, I of course watched the trailer, or sorry, it's a feature film. Uh, yeah. I watched the feature film. Uh, I watched the trailer and it was quite exciting. I'm kind of reminded of some, you know, rom-com type of uh, uh, films, but with like a dramatic edge to it and, and some real world problems. So can you tell us about your involvement in the project? Uh, yeah, um, we uh, we made the movie. The director was Nora Lakosh, and this was our uh, first her first feature. And our um, we had we made several other films before together, like shorts. Before um, it's a it's a romantic comedy, but we would um, we would like to. Put it in a in a not in a typical romantic comedy way. Uh, we would we would uh, had the idea to make it like <clears throat> to give it a little author way, and we had like um, a lot of uh, references from French Nouvelle Vague, uh, from from the two thousand French movies, some 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 mix of movies like um, the movies of Wong Kar Wai. We were, want, we were wanting to do something which is um, not a, it's a color, colorful movie, a very, uh, uh, a movie which is very strongly uses colors. And um, we were working a lot on that. Um, do you want me to tell like things about, basic things about the story or, or let's start something 
Oh yeah, you could. We we would like to hear anything you'd like okay. to tell us, but uh, yeah. in particular, also, you know, what technology did you use? Um, it's yeah. got a very filmic look to it. So yeah, how did yeah, you shoot? we used a, yeah we used um, an an Ari Alexa Mini, mm -hmm. and we used the retro lens Canon K thirty five, which is a lens from the seventies, and the aim we we chose that lens uh, for this special film because. Uh, basically, we were planning to shoot the movie on 16 millimeter, but budget-wise, we couldn't, and we were looking for the for the best solution to give the same look as on digital as it would be seen on 16 millimeter. So we made a test, uh, 16 millimeter with the Zeiss standard lens, and uh, we were after we were looking setups that is so soft and so um, pastelish, if you have this word. Uh, and finally, we found out this lens with the Black Promised one, one slash four, mm -hmm. which is a quite soft setup. And we used it wide open most of the time. So we, we wanted to have this. So like our main goal was that like romantic comedies, especially in Hungary, but all around the world have a, have a spe special special aesthetics which we were we were trying to find out something different and like uh, we it's it, this this film takes place in a in a in a a little bit not 100% realistic world it's a little bit like pushed away from reality but it's not a fairy tale so we were like we were searching for something what could be the best uh, storytelling tools and 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 the uh, art world that that would describe this world and uh, this um, the story is the main character has a pastry and she's a she's a very enthusiastic uh, in her profession and in the beginning of the story we get to know her life uh, which has a which is starts with a with a love um, disappointment sorry for my English if if. Well, we understand you perfectly, Daniel. You're doing great. Yeah, thank you. So it's so she's so she's uh, with a she's she's her story starts with a huge disappointment, and at the after in the 15 minutes of the film, she has a problem that she could lose her uh, pastry store, and uh, this mood, this 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 bluish mood, which is her life in that time, and the pastry shop gave our uh, basic uh, setup, mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's how how the colors and the, and all the thing which is around the movie and in the in the main goal of the of the cinematography were found out. Uh, I can tell. I don't know how how long you want me to tell, and I don't know how which parts because I can I can talk about. Um, well, let's talk about the production design. I mean, uh, you yeah. know what amazing choices you chose lenses that were on purpose going to give you soft edges you know on purpose they're going to kind of flare out a little bit because it's going to be more reminiscent of vintage but yeah. it has to go along with everything else right so the costumes yeah. the, yeah, the yeah. settings so, so, like so, you were talking about yeah so like like we're our main goal was not to not to use anything which is stereo <laughs> like not to not to not to use backgrounds not to use locations not to use uh uh, uh, makeup, not to use uh, 
any any details which are which are that because that's a very typical um, way of thinking in these kind of movies and this movie takes place in the in the present but we would like to give a little um, lift from the from the present but not to make it dreamy world or something like that we would trying to find the edge where it's be it's 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 not over that you can not over and becomes to work as a fairy tale the edge where it it still has this stylish thing but it still becomes real and you can be inside and 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 you can you can uh describe it and feel it as a reality so very nice uh, yeah. custom wise and location wise that was our main goal and and uh, and like location wise budapest uh the city where i live and where we shot the movie is the capital of Hungary, and it has a very strong uh, architecture from the 20s, 30s, uh, and the Austro-Hungarian monarchy. And mm-hmm. we were looking uh, to find these locations, which which has this very strong charm, and uh, not a huge part of Budapest, but a, but a, but a, but a very uh, typical part. And we were trying to use these uh, and the, the very special colors which this has to mix with with our um, world, which we were trying to find out. So we were shooting, we were trying to find locations in Budapest, which is the first third of the story to be like this, and the two third of the story that takes place in a castle which was built in 191900. Yes. And uh, it's a, it's an old uh, noble ca- small noble castle with its charming charming uh, garden and, and 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 very special aesthetics which which we were looking for like two months a very long time and at the very end we could just find it and uh, we chose this place and uh, and uh, the reason we chose this that it. We, we had the locations, all locations in Budapest, which is this 20s, 30s, Austro Monarchian charm. And, and, and we, we, we didn't find anything with, which really matches it. And, and uh, that, that was uh, uh, the place finally. And the reason we chose this also the same thing that it, 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 it didn't have a corner or a little bit of detail where you couldn't feel something, textures and stuff. And, and that's why we wanted to choose the the film, the 60 millimeter film, to have the same grainy, smooth, soft edges stuff. And uh, we were also looking for the same, and the same in dresses, and the same in same in uh, set design. Set design, yeah. Yeah. That's really nice, Daniel. And then you know, uh, uh, when you guys uh, are debuted this film and you saw everything, you know, I'm sure it really wowed everybody. Uh, I just want to cut to and just show people, uh, since we're talking about the future of cinematography, and I think it's really important for everyone to see this, is your website. Because your website, actually, uh, for all three of you cinematographers we're talking to today, are quite impressive. So I just want to make sure that the viewers can see that how you're communicating the kind of work you do. You have a long career that you've had uh, making short films and also feature films, and they're really beautiful. And what's really nice is that you can go and visit Daniel and see his work so you can watch the trailer of what we just did but we could take a look at some of the screenshots uh that we're talking about and really speaks to the kind of artistry the the framing and everything that he's working on 
and that he's uh, mentioning the kind of textures he's trying to get, it's proven because you can see it. So um, I want to talk now to uh, Dave Miller. How are you doing, Dave? Uh, very well, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just want to say that that some of that work, Daniel, looks amazing. Really, really. Um, the clips that I just saw there look fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so it's, it's wonderful that we get to have this forum that you get to see each other's work too, right? So getting three artists together in a room is always a beautiful thing. So let's talk about the, the cunning man, Dave. Um, this is a really interesting uh, looking dramatic short and uh, what a texture and look to it. It's very beautiful. Can you tell us about this project and how, how you got involved? Um, yeah, I, I got involved with a director that I'd actually, I think I'd worked with about 18 years previously and um we we hadn't we'd sort of uh stayed in touch but we hadn't worked with each other for a very long time um a director called zoe dobson um and it was fantastic to sort of get a call out of the blue uh from her and um and she was saying look i'm going to do my first uh my my first short film um I, i'd love you to to come and work on it and, and i've sort of i hadn't really done a short film for many years i did a lot of short films at the beginning of my career but i hadn't done one for a while and I've sort of you know been very much in com doing commercials and I do a lot of food work and 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 it was something I really wanted to do and I remember before bef just before we shot it um I got a big job that I had to turn down and I was sort of thinking oh god I've said I'll go and do this short film and you know you know pre-production is often, often very stressful with things and I was oh, thinking oh whatever and it you know it turns out it was the best thing that I did that year you know it was fantastic to do it and um it, it, I was so pleased that I made the, the decision to do it because um, not only was it a lot of fun to do, uh, it just got, you know, got me back into really enjoying shooting a bit of drama and getting that, you know, that script. I mean, I had I do shoot drama, but not not as much as I'd like to. So I was really back, at, really enjoying the, the, the short film uh, format. Um, it was uh, it was it was sponsored by Ari. So it was we were we were given a, a, an LF camera by Ari to shoot with, uh, which was very kind. Milan down at uh, Ari in UK uh, lent us a camera. They lent us some signature primes. Um, and it was the first time I'd shot with signatures. Um, and uh, and we had, so we had, we had a very, it was, um, it was quite a challenging project. You know, it was all set on a farm in Wales. Um, we didn't have long to shoot. We only had two days. Um, there was quite a lot to get through, um, daylight hours, you know, we did uh, weather, daylight hours, all that sort of thing. Uh, so we ended up having, um, we shot the LF with the signatures and we also had a um, Alexa Mini with uh, the Ari Trinity, which we used uh, for Steadicam, which was, which was great. So we were able to kind of swap between the two cameras and speeded things up. Um, John Cassell was my uh, steady cam op, and he did a fantastic job on the Trinity. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a it was a really fun project. It was one of those ones where everyone really pulls together, um, and you know people are doing it for free, and uh, and and we're just really pleased with the results. Um, and it seems to have, have really picked up interest in in you know festivals and things. So. And was this the first time you had uh, shot full frame or a larger format uh, in it, a while? It was, it, yeah, it was the first time I'd shot um, large format. This was, um, I think we shot it in 2019, actually. Um, so uh, it was, you know, it was part of Ari's kind of push 
for you know the LF. I, th I, th I think it was before the the mini LF had come out. The LF mm -hmm. had been out a while. I think I had. I think I actually shot a, a job on the LF about a month before shooting this. Um, a food commercial I shot on the LF about a month before. So I I had had one experience with it. And my immediate the immediate thing I just found with it was I mean there were two things. First it was just the I, I, I own an Alexa Mini, so I've got my own Mini that that I that I use on a sort of day to day basis. So I'm you know I'm very used to. To, to that look and immediately it was just the 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 color matrix of the of the lf just immediately just just stood out um uh to me um and I, i've shot on the on the mini lf since um and um and 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 then the other thing is obviously the large the large format sensor which just allows you to uh be a bit more immediate with your characters um so you can kind of what maybe you would p possibly be on a 35 mil lens uh, on a on a on an on a standard mini camera, um, and it might feel a little bit you're in close with your with your character and handheld or something, and you, it might it just feels uh, maybe a little bit too wide, uh, a little bit distorted. It's not as shallow as you might want it. Whereas when you're on the LF, you you, you get that you get the same frame, but you're on a 50 mil, and all of a sudden you don't have the distortion and you have a shallower fall off, and and it just immediately you just you just want to get that camera close to the character and you want to be in there with them uh, which 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 helps a lot when you're shooting on locations and small locations and we had one shot in a caravan we were in a small pub uh, in this location um, and uh, it, so it, it's immediately when you when you move from the super 35 sensor to to a large format sensor uh, it just inspires you, you know, when you're, when you're shooting, you, you just, you pick it up and you go, it just, you know, again, you're like, wow, let's, let's, let's get stuck in. And uh, it's great. You know, um, uh, what's, what's interesting is like, you went the opposite uh, way of Daniel, who was uh, looking yeah. for grain and texture. And you look at this frame and you're like, wow, there is no grain whatsoever. Uh, so it's completely different, which is a, what the variety of the same technology can give you, which is so interesting, you know, both airy cameras but use completely differently with the choice of lens and, and, and processing. So, you know, what, what kind of look were you going for, Dave? Well, I, I mean, that's very true. I mean, we, this look was much more bleak. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a kind of, um, it, it's not quite a horror film. It's about magic. Uh, it's, it's, you know, so it's kind of um, overcast countryside. It's a hard life on a farm. Um, we're talking about dead animals. Um, it's you know, it's uh, there was a lot of realism we wanted in in it as well. We wanted to to Afran, the main character. We wanted to really come across uh, in in we wanted to create that realism, filming on a real farm because there's this heightened magicalness in the story. Um, it's good to ingrain it in a bit of realism so that that, that sort of truth comes through. So so I think you know uh, I think maybe the you know the sharpness of the signatures. Um, help that you know the the lack of grain i mean i shot with a with a lot in within the camera um which worked really well on the lf um i was able to kind of to to use that you know when you're when you're shooting in a sort of rainy overcast english countryside um you know it can you sometimes you can struggle to get a look because <laughs> it can just look so so gray and nothing um but I, I think um, you know with that with that LUT that really helped me shoot it um, 
during you know on, on set know how I, how I wanted to shoot it and light it and and then I followed that through in the in the grade um reachieved that in the grade so so yeah it was um that's a it, fantastic it, achievement it, it, it looks nice yeah I mean it, it is interesting to see that the, the the you know very contrasting films as you say yeah absolutely and just to mention uh, Mr. Miller's got an excellent website. So once again, for you viewers out there that want to learn about the future of cinematography, well, you got to be able to showcase what you do. And I'm just going to point out, you know, he mentioned uh, uh, commercial stuff. Of course, this is exactly where I went when I went to his website, because, you know, I love the food and cooking and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, what? He did something with Jamie Oliver? No way. And, uh, you know, look at this. I mean, this is what you want to do. Uh, when you want to showcase your work, you want to make sure that people get a clear example of, of frames and shots that really speak to what you're trying to do, because it's a combination of lighting, of lensing, and of everything else, you know, post and all that. And making these decisions really helps um, to, to communicate, like, what kind of work that you like to do and want to do. All right, moving on to, uh, for the last introduction, is Vova, Vova Ivanov. Am I saying that right, Vova? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost like Volvo, you know. I've been like called that all the time. <laughs> and I got used to it already. So yeah, hi everybody. Really happy to be here with you today. Hey. Uh, yes, and the well, very cool pictures, guys. Well, Daniel and Dave, both of you, very, very cool and inspiring job that you do. Really Thank quite you. a lot. Thanks. So, uh, yeah. uh, Volvo, you have a fun short. Uh, in this uh, festival, right, with uh, Anna. And Anna is uh, about a woman who, she uh, lives in Ukraine, is that correct? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, and there's a group of American guys that are coming in to Ukraine to like find women and she's gonna attend one of these parties and she signed up for it. But she doesn't seem like your typical person that would sign up for this, which is, that is so beautiful and wonderful. But what a great story. How did you get involved in, in this project? Yeah, well, about that the main character is not kind of typical lady that would go to that sort of place as well, you would be surprised, <laughs> I need to tell you. Yeah, but anyway, uh, it was my first my first work with the Dekel Berenson. Uh, so I guess that he basically found me because of uh, another short film, Cross Country, that got the Palm d'Or in 2011. Uh, yeah, so first I got his script of Anna. And I was really surprised because on one hand, it was really kind of simple and minimalistic, but on the other hand, it was full of extremely precise details about, well, life in Ukraine nowadays, which is, well, really surprising, you know, from a person who's kind of not from around here. And then I saw his previous short film called The Shmina. Also a great film, won a lot of awards. He shot it in uh, Nepal. And uh, then, you know, it, it looked completely different to what I would expect, you know, from that sort of uh, very kind of particular and very realistic story. Uh, and well, yes, then as we started talking about the film, how we want to do it, so basically we uh, ended up somehow developing this uh, visual style that he already had in his previous film, which I just find really suitable for the story. And well, what we ended up having in the end is something really kind of modest, really minimalistic from the perspective of visuals. 
So basically, uh, it's almost all the time one shot for one scene. It's not kind of much edit there. And it's also usually like two shot with quite a static camera. No complicated movement, no complicated uh, choreography. Well, basically nothing. But still, in all those shots, like every single small detail that is there was very thoughtfully chosen and thoughtfully worked out. And uh, well, in a way, I guess, well, we, we were looking through a lot of, you know, kind of references and a lot of films as we were deciding how we're going to do that, because that is usually something very difficult if you want to get simple, but still kind of deliver the story, deliver the emotional impact. And well, I guess what we ended up having is something in many ways resembling uh, Russian paintings of the mm. ending of uh, 19th, 18th century. Uh, there was such a school called Figedvizhniki, so basically those were the guys who were all brilliant painters, but they just went to country to see the life of uh, uh, ordinary people, of uh, peasants, and uh, that was something, well, by the time, what you might call, you know, like super realistic painting. So that is basically what we ended up having. And uh, it was also an interesting story uh, how we chose uh, the uh, lenses. Uh, there is a looks like uh, anamorphic lenses. Uh, yes, exactly. Those are Cooks. Those okay. are Cooks anamorphics. Uh, so there is a huge uh, rental in uh, Kiev. Yeah, so I just need to tell you that uh, we shot the whole stuff in Ukraine, and that was the uh, kind of initial idea, and that is how Dekel makes his stories. So he's a uh, professional. Uh, many years experienced traveler so he's been to uh, well i guess most of the parts of the world including uh, uh, south pole and north pole and uh, that is how he kind of works so first uh, before developing some story he goes to some place and he visited ukraine before some years ago and he actually visited one of those meetings that is uh, portrayed in the film where kind of uh, foreign guys come to Ukraine to uh, look for wives. So uh, all this part is actually w w well that it looks more or less exactly as it is. Um, yes, and uh, then while we were looking for uh, locations all around the Kiev, just uh, for the sake of logistics, but then we ended up shooting most of it in Kyiv. That's in the uh, industrial, like Soviet time city in the uh, west of Ukraine. Uh, quite a lot of things being shot there. Uh, yes, and um, well, there is a huge uh, rental house in Kiev called Patriot Rental. I guess they are also the uh, official size representatives in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much sure they are. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they were very friendly and uh, they provided us with a lot of stuff. So we were running a couple of days testing really a lot of very different lenses. And surprisingly, uh, well, it seemed to us that anamorphic insert, uh, well, created, you know, this, that's amp. That's just very interesting thing, you know, if you start talking about lenses, choosing the, uh, especially those significant strategical stuff, like doing something spherical or anamorphical, well, for me, uh, like, if you put it down to basics, uh, anamorphics kind of create some sort of barrier between you and reality. 
So it doesn't really tend to represent things as they really are. And it kind of adds this, okay, I'm watching movie stuff. Yes. And I was really surprised that Dekel kind of felt because uh, I didn't want to push him to anything. I just told him, okay, look, I just, uh, we got like 10 sets of very different lenses. I just want to run tests for you. Right. And uh, then we went to color grading suit and just to see how he will react to seeing kind of just different sort of this um, optical representation of his. And he just naturally went for, for that look. Which yes, uh, it would make reason. sense. It makes sense because you know what? You said that a lot of those shots are framed with like the ability to have two people in the frame at the same time, but it's always towards the center of the frame and you could see the smearing at the, the edges and it's very beautiful. Um, I think that it, it really helps that kind of format that you chose, the, the kind of framing you wanted to do. Oh, perhaps, but for me, it all goes out of some paradox, you know? So the story, is, it has nothing to do with some fantasy or nothing. It's really absolutely realistic. And, uh, and his approach to everything, to casting, to locations, to uh, wardrobe, Production design, well, basically everything, to yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. I need to tell you that this film got even to a uh, one documentary film festival for some reason. <laughs> now it's not a documentary. And every single shot in this is very built up from just every single thing that gets into the shot. It's just not, uh, it is there for a reason. And that is when, you know, when you, when you go, well, telling that sort of story, you go for a look that actually doesn't represent reality that much. Especially if you go cook anamorphics, well, you know what I'm talking about. Those lenses are very specific. So you really kind of have this, a lot of uh, smearing, distortion, and uh, yeah, the sides of the shot, they're really blurred out. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we were using quite a lot of, uh, filter combination to it i guess it was uh, most of the time uh, hollywood uh, black magic together with uh, black promise or promise well in the different densities for different shots uh so did you, and then did also you we mix, played sorry did yes, you mix sorry? did you mix the diffusion filters so you used the same used uh, different diffusion filters at the same time yes yes for certain scenes yes so it was usually like you know uh, one eight uh, Hollywood black magic and something like plus one eight or maybe one quarter black promise. Sometimes, you know, we wanted to have um, uh, this more kind of uh, light from the windows in the background so that it looks a bit kind of a bit frosty, the whole image. And uh, also the story takes place in the winter and uh, there are some exterior shots where we really see it snowed and it was really fucking cold that we were shooting it. So uh, yeah, we use this diffusion also in terms of delivering this frosty feeling to the overall image, you know, somehow make it feel colder in a way. Well, I don't know, there, it, it's not like I was thinking that way when I was doing it, so we just ran tests and we just thought, okay, that particular image just looked nice. What was that? Aha, those were two filters. Okay, let's go for it. Uh, yeah, Great. so just, you know, it's, right now just to sound kind of smart you know i'm making up <laughs> kind of explains why did we do that but no i mean that well generally that that what is surprising about this particular work you know so that it's kind of a story and the way it is written absolutely uh, doesn't correspond uh, to the way it is shot and Deckel, he well uh, he will never say that but uh he is actually one of those directors who are very keen on visuals. 
-hmm. Now he would always say, no, I want to look at as realistic as possible. No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that, he always starts talking, but then as soon as we get into the interior, that is yeah. an actual flat, it's not a set. And then he thinks, okay, this wall looks kind of, you know, a bit kind of <laughs> dark. Let's maybe put a bit of texture here and a bit of texture there. And, you know, the glass, yes. it looks too clean. Let's just make it look a bit more. So, you know, I understand what I mean. Uh, yes, and in this way, it was very kind of, very, very nice experience because, uh, well, I have luck working with a lot of very different directors, a lot of deputant directors, and it's always some uh, different approach. You know, you need to uh, build up together. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, we're looking at. Uh... Just to put it like short, then, okay, Anna is a film of, the visuals of Anna is actually a paradox because it doesn't really correspond to the stylistics of the story. And that is how, I guess, you know, this, well, complicated emotion is created when you meet, you know, some things that really do collide with each other. Absolutely. So surprisingly. And it's not something, I guess, that you can, you know, calculate from the very beginning. It just for some reason happens or it doesn't. So, um, Yeah. And, and your, your process was really interesting how you got to that look, too, and convincing the director. I just want to showcase here really quickly over your website, which is fantastic. You have a really nice uh, reel at the top that uh, plays by itself. So this is something else for people to look at if they're trying to learn how to do their websites. Another idea where you could scroll down, of course, and see all the different work. And it's really clear to see that Vova is doing a lot of narrative and commercial work. So both uh, fiction and stuff for, for uh, promotion. So you can take a look at his work over there. So uh, I'm gonna give my colleagues, do you guys have a, a chance uh, or do you want a chance to ask a question or should we move on to the, to the quiz round where we start putting points on stuff? No, we'll, we'll push the quiz so we don't put pressure on the guy. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, because all of your films have such specific looks, um, Daniel, with your very, you know, pastel color palette, um, Vova, the kind of dreary look that you were just talking about, um, how involved were you in the post process? And uh, do you find that it's important to collaborate with the colorist in order to maintain the integrity of the look of your, of your film? I, I, sorry, I just missed it. Uh, that was a question on me specifically, or no, or no, just um, all three of you guys. Just generally, um, or for these specific films, how involved were you in the post process, um, in the color grade, and how important is it for you to collaborate with the colorist in order to maintain the integrity throughout every part of the process? Um, uh, <laughs> okay. so, you should start. I, 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 I um. I did go to the grade. We were lucky enough to have a grade uh, on The Cunning Man. Um, I can't remember where I did it, where we did it now. Um, and I think it's really, really important. Um, I think it's very easy uh, in this day and age for all everything to get lost and come out totally different from how you wanted it or how you shot it. Um, it's actually, it's it's more often than not, that's the case. Uh, even if you have got a strong involvement, I, 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 it's one of the things that I, I, I wrestle with. It's, it's really hard to, you know, I, I shot it with a lot. I shot it with a look. I, and then I went into a grade and I almost tried to get it back to that and almost felt like I hadn't. Uh, I mean, I, I, mean I, I was pleased with what we came up with, but I still, 
look at some of my reference shots or my shots, my screen grabs that I've got and, and, and go, it's still not quite how I wanted it. Um, so, um, uh, and, and, I, and that's, that's, I think there's just there's so much technology now involved in so many different places you see it and places it gets viewed and, and you do a grade for this and a grade for that. And when you get in, it's like a can of worms when you get into it. So, you know, short answer is yes, you, you've got to be there. You've got to see it through uh, as much as possible and really try and get in the room. Uh, in our in our specific uh, film, we were like in one part we were working a lot on on co with cooperation with the art director and the director. We were working like a week uh, in finding uh, materials, photos, paintings, and and trying to describe the colors and how many colors we want to use and which specific colors. And made, we made a rule like. Uh, kind of a dogma, if you have this word, mm -hmm. that we want to use this amount of uh, uh, colors and, and which place what. And, and, and uh, this, uh, after this, we did this, I made tests with different uh, gels, like color gels, because uh, we, made, we made a whole uh, day of uh, testing uh, different jazz which we use at exterior nights and interiors and stuff like that. And uh, after this, we made a pre-color collection. So we made a test which was seriously worked as a, within, in, in the color grading room. And so previously we had a look and mm -hmm. this look was like already ready when we started the post-production. So it, because of the, col the strong color concept, it was important in this case, very important, but, but mo most of the time, my, all of the time, it's very important, of course. And, and, and I, I, I love this part of, of, of finishing movies, which I hate most of the time is, 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 is getting stuck with little VFX details, which all the time <laughs> happens. And this ping pong between you and the company, it just can be very tiring, but this part is, is, is Great. And Velva, how about you? Yeah, cool. I just want to say that, uh, yeah, what Daniel says uh, is also just very important not to forget that image that you're getting is actually the result of collaboration of a lot of people, a lot of talents put in it together. So just every texture matters, the uh, texture of the skin matters. So the, a lot of, when, you, when you see something that looks uh, aesthetically appealing, you always need to know that there is always, it's not like just the camera guy who came, who just turned on the light, pushed the button, then went, did some magic and color grading and voila. No, it's not like this. It's always the very thoughtful uh, work, very uh, uh, in-depth preparation and uh, tight collaboration of uh, all the departments. Uh, in case of Anna, actually, I hunted for a specific uh, colorist for this film. Oh, wow. uh, the guy from I know I uh, did a couple of works before that with him together so we did uh, we didn't actually uh, do any lots but we did some lens and uh, uh, makeup tests with him together uh, that is when actually uh, we decided to go for this cook anamorphic stuff uh, and after that we were 
spending a lot of time, three of us, need, uh, this guy, he's called Dima Vasilenko, will probably will tell you nothing, but he's quite uh, young, but a very well-known colorist in Kiev. And, uh, and yeah, we, we actually had to do some tricks, you know, to get uh, exactly him for this project. Uh, and then we were spending quite a lot of time, I guess it was, uh, it was really long for such a short film, I guess it was like five or six days maybe that we spent the three of us in the suite. So uh, yes, then there was another day that we just spent it. So we did first the uh, P3 version uh, that we actually graded on a, um, uh, on a barcode projector. And uh, so that is where, you know, we played around with the grain a lot. Uh, so we did a couple of tests. We viewed the same stuff on the projector. Then we went to um, 4K video suite just to see how it kind of looks in P3. And then we spent another day converting this whole stuff to um, Rec 709 version. Mm -hmm. And then we figured out that, okay, in Rec 709, the grain doesn't look work kind of the way it does. So we well, changed a lot of things there. Yes, and the bottom line is that this specific guy, this Dima Vasilenko, I just, I just knew that that sort of aesthetics and that sort of job is exactly for him, for his kind of feeling of image, for his feeling of texture. Uh, and uh, also something that I just want to, that just uh, came in my mind as I was listening to uh, Dave and Daniel, that uh, just look how the uh, cinematography actually changed during, well, I'm not that old guy, but uh, still I'm kind of shooting for 15 years already. And in this really short span, we already had a couple of revolutions in the visuals. Uh, well, primarily you were really limited on what could you do with the look in kind of labor uh, lab or in post-production that was, uh, well, basically non-existent in the uh, film era. So uh, you had to work with the filters, with different type of development, uh, choosing different type of stock, choosing uh, different pairs of uh, positive and negative film to get the specific texture. And then we got, uh, what was that? I guess, Brother uh, Where the first film that went through DI completely. I might be mistaken, but still that changed everything. So then you really got a lot of tools to do pretty much everything with your image uh, afterwards. And that is where a lot of people, especially those, uh, well, great cinematographers out of the film age, that they actually got lost in it for a moment. And uh, that's the situation that we're having right now. So back then you had a lab guy. If he was good, then you could kind of see, okay, you want to have a bit more contrast image, then probably you would go for a full process. So you would just overexpose your negative to have it uh, tighter to get some more contrast to look or other way if you wanted to have a bit of a milky blurry shadow. So you would uh, rather go to a push process and uh, go to, uh, to have a thin negative. And also you could do some uh, portional bleach bypass. So there were kind of tricks but it was always kind of... You could do all this uh, alchemy, right? It was like, uh, you really had to know the process and what was going to happen. Yes, and, and, and actually it was, ne it was never that exact. No. So it no. was always kind of, okay, that's how we feel, you know? 
uh, even the, the greatest Kodak laboratories, as soon as you were starting uh, getting away from the uh, uh, kind of standard processes, that's actually where all the great image usually uh, was. Uh, that is where you were actually kind of playing the guess game. So now you don't need to play the guess game, but still there is just such a lot of um, things you can change and such a lot of tools there that you definitely need uh, to have somebody who first of all knows the technology and in the same time who is as uh, keen on visual aesthetics as you are. Somebody with whom you can communicate directly. And that is why it's really important to um, to know your colorist or to be a colorist yourself. I know quite uh, a lot of camera guys who are uh, in the same time great colorists and they're doing uh, most of the color grading themselves. That's also a way nowadays. But uh, generally speaking, yes, that is an absolutely new uh, profession that emerged just in the last decade probably. And uh, it became so significant. In, yeah, we uh, also have like a uh, digital imaging technician and, uh, you know, a change to how first and second ACs work as well because of digital technology. Exactly. Now, now for, for the other guys, you know, you've used, all three of you used digital technology and came up with vastly different looks. And to Vova's point, there's so many different variables in terms of tools and things that you can people that you can use to kind of get to your image. What's the next step? What, what, do, you, what do you see that's next uh, for camera lens cinematography? Um, what, are you, what are you looking forward to? What developments? Uh, Daniel, Dave, if you guys want to go, one of you. You mean what's the next step for progression? Yeah. What do you see? I, for, yeah, it's a difficult question because technically wise, it's always going to progress and stuff. Uh, I like like uh, 65 millimeter and, and LF and, and, and stuff like that really uh, heighten the level and also lower budget cameras. Like like there's a new camera that FX9 of the Sony, which is a documentary camera, which really also in this mid range cameras heightened this format. But as I see it, that, that the, the, the history of cinema is like more than 100 years old and, and and trends are very, very typically coming up and then going away. And this now the, 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 the recent years are the years of the big format. And the 10 or 15 years ago was the days of the 5D, which was very, uh, you know, some feature films were shot on, some great ones too. And I feel like, so I feel like after Alexa appeared, you can approve and stuff, but it's 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 it 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 arrived and it's like something we have gotten. I don't feel that uh, that 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 I think that's the milestone, and I don't feel like uh, big huge differences can make can happen. But of course they're gonna be. But 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 uh, you can have so many difficult different ways of looks that 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 uh, that that's uh, incredible and 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 that's the best thing about it and uh, and this this large format trend is is a thing which is very cool cool and very very sexy and very good for a lot of things but i but i i, I don't feel that 
it's good for all projects. And, 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 and that's the thing I don't like about trends that you start to get using something which is maybe not the best for your movie sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Uh, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things on the horizon technically out there that are, are, are going to come and possibly disrupt the industry or, uh, you know, um, uh, and, and when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. Um, uh, and, and I think it's basically all, it's all about storytelling and whatever's best for the story. Um, and there's technologies that are coming that might allow us to tell stories that we couldn't tell otherwise. If, if that technology was there, whether that be, you know, virtual production, LED screens um, that we're seeing a lot of, um, LED screens for backgrounds um, that we're seeing a lot, uh, a lot coming out now, um, the kind of um, integration with computational uh, effects, um, Unreal Engine, CGI, you know, allowing us to, to do things that maybe we don't have the budgets for otherwise, you know, in a, in a studio environment. I think that's all very exciting. And if it's a way of letting us, you know, tell a story we want to tell, then, then that's, that's brilliant. And I think what always happens when all new technologies come on board is every, a lot of productions, a lot of films use them. And then there's, uh, there then becomes an appetite for, things to look how they used to look uh, and so we we're constantly sort of going forward and going back so we're going forward with the new technologies and the new lenses and everything and then we're at the same time everyone wants to shoot with the older glass which is coming back so it's a constant it's a constant back and forth and and you know we're lucky enough to be uh in an industry where from one one uh project to the next we've got a, a massive menu of things to choose from um, and, it, and it's fantastic and it's exciting and you, you know, you go, right, I've got this story, how are we going to tell it? So, so there's, there's so much, there's so much in the future that's, that's going to happen. But I think um, in terms of cinematography, cinematography will always be there because we're, at, at, uh, you know, it, it's such a, um, uh, as you mentioned, it, it's such a, um, a collaborative process um, that no matter what technology is there, no one's going to make a film on their own. Um, and, you know, the... Yeah, you're going to need all, all these experts to come together to help out to make it happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's the quiz part of it. Now, Stephen, do you have a question before I ask the quiz question? A little uh, bit. Just because we're talking about the future. I mean, we're... Yeah, please, please. Jump right now. My question was, um, is there... I mean, we've had changes to the cameras, to the lenses, to lighting to the you know, way you communicate with your partners, to the way you submit films in general. I didn't know if there was one specific piece of technology or, or a product or something that has really changed your guys' um, approach to how you film in the last few years. Good question. Um, I mean, maybe it was, it was a few years ago, but in my career, uh, you know, the, the, the advent of the, of the larger sensor was the biggest revolution in sort of 2009, 2010. Um, before that, I was shooting, you know, I, it just, it opened up that sort of the, the cinema, so cinematography to so many people. Uh, I was all, I, I was, I had shot on film a couple of times, but I, I shot on a lot of video with a Pro 35 adapter. I bought a set of lovely Zeiss Super Speeds, 
Mark II's when I was in about 2005. I was lucky enough to have a set of those. And I used them with a Pro 35 uh, and, uh, you know, for a good couple of years, trying to make everything look like film, sometimes successfully and sometimes not successfully. But when the red came along and um, I, I did get a red camera early on and it did change things, it changed things massively. And then obviously the Alexa came along after that and and, and here we are in, in the large format. So I think, I mean, for me, that's the biggest change that I in in my career that's happened and um it was it was sort of great to be there for that change and um and and, and you know everyone embraced it and you can see and, and 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 you can just see there's so there's so much more available now um because of that change than there was you know in in the early 2000s kind of thing yeah what, what about you Volga? uh well i guess i would agree with dave uh, because what really changed everything is the appearance of big sensors starting from Canon D5. I guess that was really a revolution comparable to, I don't know, like the uh, appearance of color film even maybe or appearance of 16 millimeter because it actually gave you the camera that costed like a couple of thousand bucks that could deliver a look of something that would cost like thousands and thousands of dollars before and i guess that uh, really refresh, uh, revolutionized the uh, the way we work and uh, the second great thing would probably be leds lighting because that's i think how i was lighting my sets like five years ago and ten years ago those were completely different technologies completely different approach um yeah, so I would That's probably so uh, say the two things. So the uh, large chips and uh, uh, yeah, and LED lighting. Daniel, what about you? Uh, I absolutely understand. Uh, I absolutely uh, agree with the guys who what they previously said. Uh, I I I think that this thing, yeah, it's availability of wide spread to a lot of people is a huge change and of course of course a game changer and but although you it's a good thing because anyone who 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 wanted like a wider part of people who wanted can could start filming but but uh, the big effort happens in head and not in technique i feel, think the same but of course it's a great thing and it changed a lot and let a lot of people to to, to achieve I, I think that I think uh, for me so I, I agree with the guys and I, I wanted to say the same but what what I think we, in addition is like um, iPhone uh, iPhone photography and iPhone uh, cinematography is I think is gonna be a big in a few upcoming years is gonna be a huge change like which is a game changer in a way that you can make and this autofocus thing which is proving and proving every time and I think in a few years it's going to be so advanced that you can shoot really uh, cinematic shots uh, with your uh, the DJI small stuff which is amazing how light uh, light sensitive and and frame wise getting bigger and bigger and I think that's a huge that's a huge change and can be a huge change in making low budget stuff, documentaries and and mm. uh, music videos. And and I would say there's a movie I, 
I, I love from the US called Tangerine, which takes place in Los Angeles. I love it's Tangerine. First, yeah, yeah, it's the first iPhone style movie. Uh, and I think that's a huge revolution. And you know, the, in the way how you photograph, or I do street photography, and the way it revolutionized that too, because there was a huge times between the 70s until the iPhones appeared, where a camera was something different because people were afraid of. I mean, you know, when I'm talking about that people started yeah. to get afraid and too many cameras and, and this thing changed a lot. And I think when, when, when phones gonna be amazingly good, like a 5D or something, it's gonna happen soon. It's gonna be a huge change in street photography and this kind of doc, street documentary thing, which I think an, a big change, gonna be a big change because having a phone is not having a camera. Um, say just before we proceed, there is just another another little something that I would add. That, uh, well, actually, what Daniel just said uh, made me think of. Well, there is another one thing that evolutionizes and progresses as uh, fast as medium, as fast as technologies, and that probably determines the way we work the most. And I would say that that is actually the viewer and the evolution of viewers' perception. I mean, just well, for a second, back in the days, uh, like in 90s, you know, while I was living in Soviet Union and we start getting first VHS players, yes? Back then, you didn't actually have any alternative to getting, well, what you might call a cinematographic experience, you know, when you could come to the movie, see something on a big screen with the uh, great sound and everything, or as an alternative, you could just have a television on VHS which never delivered it. And now, I mean, talking about the iPhone, look at the screen that everybody now has in his pocket. And of course, it's small, it's not five to one sound, but still, in terms of seeing image, it's just, it's marvelous. It's uh, those, how are they called? Retina uh, technology screens. They really deliver a uh, very uh, beautiful, very deep image. Then again, uh, think about that. Uh, well, nowadays, I guess like average person in his life spends like, we'll say eight hours sleeping, then maybe eight hours earning money and another eight hours probably consuming or producing visual images. So, I mean, nowadays, uh, our viewer is completely different. Uh, another one, a good example. Well, in Soviet Union, um, you remember this old, very cool Fantomas French film with Louis de Finesse. Uh, this uh, uh, comedy. So uh, it was one of the few films that were uh, actually got from abroad and were screened in Soviet Union in the mid 60s. And back then, this film uh, he, uh, in Soviet Union it was perceived as sort of kind of a thriller. So kids weren't allowed to see it. So people actually perceived this film that, that is, well, stylistically is a comedy that is a charge and a parody to this James Bond kind of films. Here it was perceived completely different. And nowadays, every viewer, well, like average viewer, just from seeing one second of image, he already kind of gets what is being shown to him. Uh, as Anna was in Cannes last year, there was another great film there, Parasites. When I saw it, I thought, wow, that is the film that is something new. And I'm uh, very glad that it got such a, uh, well, enormous success. Uh, uh, because it somehow uh, portrayed the thing that I was thinking a, a, a lot about myself lately. 
So nowadays, our viewer already seen it thousands of times, everything that you showed him. And in this new uh, kind of era of storytelling, the, um, the adventures of characters, they don't matter that much as the adventure of genre itself. And that is what Parasites, they very precisely portray. So you first, you see uh, the first kind of, well, couple of seconds, the first scene of the film, and you identify it immediately. Okay, that is kind of the social drama that is shown in a way of ironic comedy. So you kind of basically prepare yourself that it will be funny most of the time, but in the end, it will kind of hit you hard. But then as the scenes progress, it turns into absolute comedy and then into a detective and then into psychological thriller and then into slasher. So you aren't, as, as a viewer, you're, you always get your um, expectancies. Uh, yeah, you're thrown off a bit. Tricked. Yeah. And I guess that is also something that will deter uh, determine the uh, cinematography in the future. And right now, there are also uh, quite a lot of good examples to this. Well, what comes to my mind right now is uh, our Caesar, yes? So uh, the, uh, well, really great work of uh, Cohen Brothers and um, uh, uh, Charles Dickens. There are some shots in th that film that if you look at them, they look exactly as the shots out of golden era of this Hollywood studio uh, filming, but they actually are not. So that is the perfect stylization, but still it gives you this feeling of being transported to this golden age, this kind of heaven of filmmaking, and that all is mostly done just with the uh, texture, with the color, with the lenses, and with the framing, and with the camera movement. And I guess so the uh, future of cinematography as an art is probably situated somewhere there. You know, just mm -hmm. knowing your viewer, knowing that now he's really smart, he's really keen on image. And that yeah. is where you can kind of get him into some play. You know, show, show him something that will... Uh, well, uh, that, that will arouse one emotion, but then in the in the end will turn out to be something else. Well, I know it's pro probably just uh, something that I'm making up right now. But uh, yeah, I just thought that if you talk about the future, then it's basically the uh, evolution of those who will be who, who are we going to shoot our films for? Well, the, the, you know, these are all really fantastic answers to Stephen's question because they really you're hitting all the different points of not just technology but aesthetic development too. Um, so that goes into our final question that we have, uh, which is, if you can have one widget of your choosing, you know, for your process, and it doesn't matter if that's on set or in post or whatnot, if you could have one device that helps you out a little bit better, is it a piece of lighting or is it a piece of camera gear? We just want to know what that widget is. So we'll start with Daniel, then we'll go to Dave and then Vova but you guys have to answer, come up with uh, your dream widget, your dream tool that, would, that you would love to see developed. And hopefully there's some manufacturers or some uh, inventors uh, right now paying attention, watching this video that can uh, help you out. So Daniel, you first. Uh, I would say, uh, <laughs> it's a funny thing. I have an iPhone 8 and um, which, which particularly had me a lot is the, the the director's viewfinder app, which which is uh, started to get progressed with the different with the freelance iPhones, so that's that's the thing which is <laughs> I think I know it's funny but it's so quick and so in your pocket and so 
um, helped a lot because uh, classical director's viewfinder is not that is very uh, difficult and change the lens and and uh, and um, and it's uh, very precise. And that's if I feel this answer. Cool. So you want a better version of of the Artemis? Uh, I mean, I mean that's that's a thing which is which is uh, yeah which helps 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 a lot. No, what what is a new new uh, item that you would like to see? Something uh, that's not created yet. <laughs> ah, okay. Sorry, I misunderstand the question. Sorry. Uh, something's not created yet. Um, we can come back to you. We'll come back to okay, you. Okay. Thanks. So we'll go to Dave Miller. Dave Miller is not created yet. Um, what do you want to have? So uh, I mean, I I love the Artemis. I love Sunseeker. They're the two things. They're two things that I can't do without. What I what I'd love to have, um, which maybe is out there, which which I don't have, um, is some sort of easily used for someone who's not very good on computers, previs kind of easy to use software. And I'm sure it's there. And I've explored some. So, you know, I use Shot Designer, um, which is, is great, but quite frustrating, quite slow. Um, I've I've done stuff in um can't remember the program now um but you know i'm a sort of person who i'm at the age where if i don't do it every day i forget how to do it and it takes me a week to relearn it um and i know there are you know i've seen stuff out there i know there's stuff being developed and you know it looks like a playstation game and you can pre-visit all and all that but i i just um i'd love to just really easily be able to just build a room in 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 in, in a minute it, it on my phone it, does it, it does takes, it um, and add all the lights? Very, but I don't remember the name. I, I know that I know there's a guy, there's Cinemotion, or uh, there's the guy who does makes it look like a PlayStation, but it's it's, it's still quite in. Cool, in it? What's it? What's it called? I, I guess it's called this uh, Cine Designer that you mean. Cine Designer, yes. Yeah, Cine Designer. Yeah. Cine, exactly, exactly. And I've explored that in the time that I've had at home and stuff. But you know, I'm I'm not. A computer it's it's still it's it's too up there for me still you know I need so a better previs tool that's what yeah. you're looking for yeah. all right cool vova what about you i'm really confused i need to tell you because <laughs> to be honest well there's really a lot of tools and a lot of things and a lot of technology that i'm always relying on and there is so much effort and so much talent that is put into each one of them I mean, just if you talk the camera, lenses, monitors, also the previous program. So I use all of that. The, uh, well, I don't know, grip stuff. Uh, I just uh, recently visited, if you uh, don't know, the Kiev is the uh, place where the first uh, stabilized heads were developed by Filmotechnic. They actually make the heads for uh, uh, Avatar specifically. So they were the only company in the world who managed to pull it off. And uh, I visited the new facilities recently, and now they're doing the uh, uh, telescopic uh, techno cranes. Uh, it's like an eight meter version of techno crate made out of uh, carbon fiber, and it weights like 120 kilos. So it's nothing. You can place it whatever, and they have the super light uh, stabilized uh, heads to it. So it's really unbelievable what these guys are doing. And I mean, there is so much of technologies and they're so cool and so reliable and so sophisticated. So I don't even know, you know, what, what, what might be better to it. If you would ask me the one tool that probably kind of stands atop of it all well for me, just don't laugh. I would say that's a gaffer tape. 
Because if there is something, one single thing that saved me most of the times in my life that you can do basically everything with and that, well, that would be the gaffer tape. So I don't know if any guys who are producing gaffer tape just can hear me, please. What I need is a gaffer tape that wouldn't be freezing in the cold here in the winter. <laughs> there you go. Weather resistant gaffer tape. Wow, that would revolutionize filmmaking in, in cold weather. That's a wonderful. That's a great suggestion. Uh, Daniel, we're coming back to you. What's your yeah, suggestion? So like, like I think which is a big advance and and very time presuming thing is the the uh, appearance of LED lights and nowadays only the smaller uh, smaller parts of LED, a uh, smaller size of LEDs are can be lit by batteries and which really saves a lot of time and which 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 can really help your creative uh, workflow or your time presuming. Uh, advance your time presuming would be if the if the bigger ones could work in with batteries and it's going to happen i guess in, in a few years but that's a thing i could say for that. so we want bigger led heads with battery power so that we can yeah because that, that that for some for a lot of situations that makes you really uh you know easy to work easy to find places to put and stuff Great. Well, look, these are all wonderful suggestions. I think you guys did a great job today of outlining some tools that you really like and then some things that you want to see uh, for the future of cinematography. We talked about formats. We talked about, you know, going back and forth in terms of vintage look, but with modern equipment. Uh, this was really a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us uh, during the Paris International Film Festival and uh, coming in. And we will encourage everyone to watch the films of these cinematographers because they're wonderful. Uh, they really are heartfelt. So you have Cream from Daniel. Uh, Dave, you have, um, uh, what's, I'm sorry. The Cunning Man. The Cunning Man. I want to make sure I said it right. The Cunning Man and then uh, Anna from Vova. Okay. And uh, Daniel's is a feature film and Dave's and Vova's are short films. Um, you can watch them all online as part of the festival. Jenna, would you like to add anything? Yes, thank you so much, everyone, for taking part. It was so fascinating. And yes, there's something I would like to add. First, Daniel, Dave, Vova, congratulations on your films. They're so incredible. And I want to also, and your work as a cinematographer, also want to highlight that uh, the directors and even the whole, pretty much the whole team of Cream also did a Q&A for the festival. So it's part of the same Eiffel Tower virtual building. Um, Daniel was also on the Q&A with Cream, and there was also the production designer. And I so appreciated hearing you guys uh, ask and talk about the work with your team. And to kind of jump on that, and also on what you said, Vova, about the future of cinematography and how uh, our audiences are also viewing our work and your work, I think it's really fascinating to see it in the technology. This is why this has the technology, and also in the narration. Um, for instance, we, we know that um, some of our viewers, they get more used to, for instance, an actor facing the camera. And at the festival, we also have some films which are really part of this revolution, like, for instance, Influenceuse with Lorraine Atelier, who is um, actually a revelation, nominated for a revelation at the César, which is the equivalent in France of the Oscar. And it's all shot in the story format. So it's like, it's literally shot in this style. And... 
I think it's definitely shaping not only in the technology, obviously, but also in, in the narration, the way cinematographers work, because then there's so much you must kind of think of and adapt and also the way you work with your team, because as we understand, you guys do a fantastic job also coordinating with the color grader, obviously the director, the production, production designer, and all of this can maybe also be improved with the remote technology that we most have. So thank you so much, um, Snehal, Katja, Stephen, for your excellent questions and just highlighting on this cinematographer's work, because it's just, honestly, the cinematography of all the selection is so impressive. And you guys, thanks so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge because it's it's fascinating. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. It's very Merci. <laughs> great. Well, take care, everybody. Uh, you have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy, and be safe out there. You know, we still have a pandemic, so be careful. Yes. And uh, we'll all see each other together very soon. I hope. Hope so. Yes. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Nice, nice to meet you guys. Bye. Nice to meet you, everyone. Bye-bye. Enjoy bye -bye. the festival. Bye -bye.